The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Monday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your great host, Scott Alexander, right across from me, one and the only Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Say grr, Tam. <laughs> Why do you always say, say grr, grr? Uh, because I, I, I like to say, I like it when you say hi in your native tongue. Hi. <laughs> and you're not illustrious today? I am still... Are you still tired from fucking, Saturday? I'm still fucking wiped out. I gotta admit, man, because... Uh, you know, I I think you're you're spot on that. You know, my body was flushed with adrenaline. Yeah, because you know how when you get an adrenaline high and then you come down, you just are white. And that's me. You know, freaking. And then you know, after getting home and you know, didn't get to bed till two thirty in the morning, and I just yeah, because it took us a lot to unwind. It did. Night. It was surprisingly, it was a really good show that we did. It so, was. I mean. I, 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 I loved it. it. I yeah. loved it. This is actually my favorite one so far. Yeah, and the uh, the the band that opened for us, Ash and Lady, was just they're they're such nice people. Yeah, they were the bomb. They were really good band too. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, because I remember the first show I went to, which was at the same venue. Um, the band that opened for you, they were good, but they were off. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it was kind of obvious that they were a little off. Yeah. And so you kind of like listen to it through different ears. But these people were amazing. Yeah, I thought they were. And hella nice, man. I liked them. Yeah, hella nice. Really nice. I know because when he introduced, when Jeff introduced himself to me the first time, when I first came in, he, him and I were just bullshitting <laughs> because we're both Cowboys fans. And he, and he was saying, he goes, man, he goes, you, I said, he goes, I can't believe you like the Cowboys. I said, yeah, I said, not many of us exist in these parts. He goes, we do, but we're all in hiding. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious, man. Yeah. No, so, I, I, I had a great time, man. I tell you what, I would honestly, too. I would do a thousand shows with them. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I know because we, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, getting them to open um, in most of your shows next year when we try to do the. The county fair tours. Well, yeah, we got we got the uh, the upcoming tour. Yeah, that were that, that's still being planned out. We've got a couple of uh, larger events like Salem Amphitheater that we're trying to get together and. Yeah, we're trying to put uh, on a festival. Yeah, we got fest- we got so much shit going on, and then you know, and I'm, I'm figuring like yesterday, and then we'll get into the show because you know I, I like telling people what's kind of going on behind the scenes. It's so, like fucking yesterday. When we would normally be doing some recording and shit like that. I was just done. I just, like, honestly, yeah. I barely could even get up to go take a shower. I was going to say, yeah, you were dragging ass yesterday. And normally after the day after a show, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, yeah. I might get up and drink my coffee. I bitch for like 10 minutes and, you know, and smoke a cigarette. And I'm, ah, I'm good to go. But yeah. uh, this time here, I, seriously, I was like in Frankenstein mode. Like, I, just, I was just lost. Yeah, you were a zombie. I was busy trying to get work done. You were just being a zombie. <laughs> yeah, it was just, God dang, man. Yeah. So, so anyway, you, so I want to tell you right out with this episode here, when you start giving me the name. It's long as fuck. It, we don't have 20 minutes, but I'll say it anyways. No, you're just my <laughs> fucking big fat ass. That's not a real name. <laughs> Nothing about this name that you that, that, that you have for today is real. That's not real people. Well, he is a real person. The thing is, though, is I have freaking scoured the internet and i cannot find a picture of him and i'm the research ninja so i'm still working on it i might not have it in time when we post it to the uh the uh podcast channel but i hope to have one by the time i post the blog Ah, cool cool. yeah just give me something generic that yeah so anyways um this is a medical monday and i just like Pulled this name out of our list, and I almost gave up on him. Um, but his name is Dr. Louis Omar Muhammad Al-Ti. That's not a real goddamn name. It, it kind of is. You know, okay, let, let me tell you something. You're following the path of Dawn, and let me tell you why. Because she does the same damn thing. She does the same fucking thing. She freaking, yeah, let's give him a name that nobody in the world can pronounce except for that specific person. And it's just alphabet hey, soup. That's what well, you're doing. Are you? Did you pull up the episode? 
Can you? Are you reading along with me? No. Oh, it's in the Medical Monday folder. No, I'm, I'm but, just. I'm, um, I'm still. Just I actually went through as I was doing this, and did all of the phonetic pronunciations for you. But even though I'm reading it, I uh, I decided to I, do that. I for heard you. that yesterday because I could hear all of a sudden the oh Google my computer Translate yeah sit there going you know like. Haka haka haka. You moron! It didn't do all That's that. That's what it did. Yeah, this name is Jihad. And it went knock knock knock. Then yelled Jihad, and it just He's scared up from me. Africa. There wouldn't be any knock knock knocks. Well, all I know is it scared me because I thought there was you know terrorists knocking at my front door. And he clicks. That's right. That's right. Africa is all clicks and knocks. I forgot. My yeah. Bad. No, I have a friend who uh, is from Nigeria originally, and her native tongue is clicks and knocks. Is, and I was, and I looked at her when she speaks. And I said, "How do you even translate that?" Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't being rude or anything, but I was like, "How do you translate that?" But she said it's all in how the specific tone of the click and knock and the length and everything. I said, "Oh, okay." See, I'd be fucked because I'd be sitting there looking at something. And I'd be like, "Oh, damn, God." That's not good. And they're like, that says you're going to fuck my family. And then yeah. they throw spears at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and then it's like, just like with Morse code. It's like, so how long do you know to make that click and that knock? <laughs> <laughs> so when I began studying this case, uh, I almost threw in the towel, literally. I know that we've talked about the lack of information available when it comes to crimes committed in foreign countries. However, compared to the information available for this case, the other cases we've covered were overflowing with details. But, however, with perseverance, because, you know, I don't give up easily, I managed to pull together enough information to pre- present a full case. Um, this case is about a doctor in Iran. Nay, or Actually, it's Iraq. I don't know why I put Iran. Uh, because you wanted to get physical like Jane Fonda? No. I don't run. I, I just, run, I, I run, 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 what away? <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, his name, like I said, is Lue Omar Muhammad Altii, who provided medical care for insurgents in the Kirkuk province. However, he earned the moniker Dr. Death because he systematically murdered police officers and soldiers who were brought to the hospital to be treated. Jesus, now, he is the original uh, NWA. He's like, fuck the police. Yeah, fuck the police. <laughs> Straight out of Compton, yo. Um, <laughs> however, before I proceed, I need to tell you that I was pleased like enormously enthusiastically pleased when I discovered he was not a basic bitch, which, you know, that is a big thing with this, especially with medical serial killers. Yeah, that's because I, you know, I, I deem them basic bitches. I get sick of people and they use arsenic or they use insulin insulin or morphine morphine. Yeah. You know, if you get a a tip to our future serial killers, remember, if you're going to do it, be creative. That's right. And you know what? We will feature you with gusto. <laughs> you will be a top one on our list. This is great, man. They use electricity that they got from a lightning bolt during a storm. Then they set him on fire and did a satanic ritual. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't fault you, dude. That's they awesome. handcrafted a lightning rod <laughs> specifically to go into the victim's head. No. <laughs> That would be amazing, huh? I was in there go, damn. I, <laughs> That's go, ingenious. I'm going to go to the freaking prison itself and interview this person. No shit, Bring yo. them donuts. <laughs> shit. That's awesome. So, anyways, Kirkuk, Iraq, is located approximately 269 kilometers or 167 miles north of Baghdad via routes two and three. I, um, in 2010, it was declared to be the capital of Iraqi culture. And the Kurdistan regional government also claimed it as its capital city. Now, the Iraqi Turks, Turkmen's, which is a nationality group, a national group there, considered Kirkuk to be their historical and cultural capital. Not to mention the Iraqi government has said that the city is a model for coexistence in the country because of its diverse population. So that gives you an idea that it's not, you know, that it's pretty... um, Wide range of people there. Yeah, very diverse. Yeah. So the Kirkuk police lieutenant, 
Arjumin had been shot by an insurgent, so he was at the Al Jumhuria Hospital to have the bullet removed from his chest. Please help me. They have shot me very bad. <laughs> so the <laughs> surgeons who had successfully performed the surgery had gone home with satisfaction of knowing they had saved another life. So he wasn't singing any Rolling Stones or any Rolling Stones songs. No, he like, wasn't. I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah. All I get is bullet <laughs> action. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> so they left Arjuman in the recovery room until he woke up from the anesthesia. Now, Al Jumhuria is Kirkuk's, Kirkuk Province's biggest hospital located in Mosul, which is approximately 173 kilometers or 107.5 miles northwest of the city center. This also means it's the busiest facility in the region. However, that night it was rather quiet. At approximately 10.30 p.m., one of the doctors on staff walked down the second floor hallway and slipped into the recovery room unnoticed. He crept over to Lieutenant Arjuman's bed, leaned over the unconscious patient, and flipped the switch of the oxygen supply tank off. Within 30 minutes, the man was pronounced dead. See, I like that. You want to know why? It's simple, but yeah. elegant. Simple, quiet, un, you know... What's the word I'm looking for? Unassuming. Yeah, unassuming action that nobody would suspect anything. Yeah, no, I like that. That's not a basic bitch thing. He didn't go, you know, he didn't have to create some diabolical scheme. Didn't suffocate him with a pillow. None of that jazz. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to turn the oxygen off and let nature take its course. Yeah, well, it gets better. So, now, Arjuman was not only a deputy commander of the... Mikdad Police Department, he was also the first confirmed victim out of the 43 known victims of Kirkuk's very own Dr. Death. Starting in October 2005 and over the following six months, so 43 victims in six months, Dr. Louis Omar Muhammad Al-Ti, an emergency room physician, navigated his way through the massive pools of blood. He always made sure to stop and talk to people who wanted to thank him for his efforts during that troubling time. However, what people didn't know was that he was also secretly singling out wounded soldiers, law enforcement officials, and politicians. He wasn't there to make sure they received top-notch medical care. In fact, it was just the opposite. He was systematically ending their lives. It didn't matter how severe or minute their injuries were. All that mattered was the position they held in society. Yeah, that part's kind of fucked up. Yeah, a little bit. But then, um, uh, I'll get into it in a minute. As officials were dying off, there weren't any suspicions at first. In fact, nobody suspected for a second that one of their own medical personnel was responsible for the deaths that were occurring. Altii was only a 26-year-old doctor who graduated in 2003 from Mosul University in Mosul, Iraq. Whenever there was any type of mass casualty for either a gun battle or explosive attack, he was right there in the thick of things, aiding his colleagues in treating the wounded, right? I got to fix a typo. Since the United States invited Kirkuk in 2003, the area had been somewhat more peaceful than it had been prior to that. However, sometime in 2004, the province began seeing an uprising in violence. To give you an idea of how bad things had become, Reports from law enforcement officials at that time claimed that upwards of 1,500 people were either killed or injured in the attacks in less than one year. Needless to say, medical personnel at the large hospital were glad they were able to help combat that problem on some level. Now, considering LTI was relatively new when it came to killing his patients, once he murdered Arjuman, he only took a short time to, quote, cool off. As a matter of fact, it was only a matter of 10 days before he singled out his next victim. The second time he committed murder, he came up with a method of dispatching his victims that would that wound up being his weapon of choice, so to speak. He developed a cocktail of pharmaceuticals lethal enough to end his patients' lives rather quickly. Even though he only had one victim the first time he took someone's life, he upped his game the second time. On that day, during a roadside bombing, four Iraqi National Guard members wound up being wounded. Paramedics took the, all of them to the Al-Jumuriye Al-Jum- Hospital to be treated. Yagdir Shaka, which yeah. is spelled S-H-A-K-I-R, but it's pronounced Shaka. Sounds like Shakra. 
yeah, a Kirkuk police commander talked about the incident. He said they, as in the guardsmen, came to the hospital to be cured, but instead they were killed. I can I can't I can understand a doctor may have personal sympathies with the insurgency, but to use his p- professional position to become an instrument of death turns sense and humanity on its head. That's kind of the whole True. terrorist thing, though. It is kind of the whole terrorist like, okay, thing. It, this is just what I've noticed, you know, because I don't know personally any terrorists. Well, except you and my son who do weird, weird shit. I was going to say, you call me a terrorist because of the food choice some of the food options i uses pepper on their pancakes that's a terror pepper on my pancakes country gravy on my cantaloupe see that's not right you know who else eats that fucking sasquatches in the wild and salt in my seven up that's just freaking disgusting (laughs) but anywho's um you know you're not like a part-time terrorist you know what i mean it's not like okay i i work nine to five but you know like between 9 30 and midnight i'm a part-time terrorist no you're either you're either in or you're out you're either in or you're out yeah so um dr Altii was arrested in march of 2006 when security officials in kirkuk learned of his actions for approximately one month after he was apprehended. It said that he admitted to murdering a minimum of 19 patients. When he was asked why he was killing them, he simply stated, I hate the Americans and what they've done to Iraq. He even indicated that he was sure he would never get caught since he quote killed without fuss. And there were no facilities at the hospital to perform proper autopsies, which would be able to test their blood for. He thought the shit through. I'm telling you, I like that. though. Yeah. He, he didn't fucking, he didn't play around. Yeah, no, like they thought through, hey, man, they're not going to do an autopsy. I can pretty well do whatever I want. Yeah. It was, it was thought as out. As long just, as it wasn't obvious signs of foul play, he could have gotten away with it. Yeah, I like it when people actually think their shit through. We do so many medical Mondays where they really don't think their shit through. Yeah, but they do stupid shit. Yeah, at least you thought it through. So that's cool. Like Michael Swango, who targeted his fucking coworkers. Yeah, that's retarded. Like gives them a soda and then. They end up in the bathroom violently <laughs> ill. And, and of course, if that happens to your entire, everybody that you're working with, they're going to say. Except for you. Except for you. They're, number one, that's a big point red flag for you. But they're going to test that stuff. They're going to um, what's in this? Yeah. Which they did. They took it down and had it tested. At the university. <laughs> yeah. By the same professor that taught Swango chemistry. Yep. Exactly. Which I thought was ironic. I thought that was awesome. So while Al-T.I. was murdering wounded law enforcement military law enforcement, military, and political officials, he was pulling double duty in a way. He made sure to give the insurgents quality medical care. He even successfully aided quite a few injured militants to get away from the armed guards at the hospital who were watching over them. One month after his capture, Curtis intelligence officials issued a statement claiming he had given them a substantial amount of valuable information. He revealed that there were several medical personnel throughout the Sunni Triangle who were ready, willing, and able to aid insurgents in the area. This network of individuals included doctors, nurses, orderlies, EMTs, and other healthcare workers. So, um, when people heard the news of LTA's murder spree, the tension around the city increased. The 750,000 Arab and Turkmen citizens of Kirkuk were appalled by his actions. Not long after he was interrogated by law enforcement officials, his taped confessions were released to the media. Every outlet throughout the local area didn't hesitate to broadcast the recordings. Shortly after his confessions aired, local residents began to speak out. One man from the area was interviewed by a news crew outside of the hospital, and as he was speaking to the cameras, he asked the public some very vital questions. He said, how can we feel safe to send our sick and injured to the hospital? I have a son in the Iraqi National Guard. He's a good boy who wants to help his country. If he gets hurt and comes here, who's to say that another doctor won't be ready to kill him? Because they weren't able to identify all the doctors in this network. All the medical professionals in this network. Right. So the family members of LTA's victims didn't find out the truth of how their loved one died until after the doctor admitted to being responsible. But it didn't take long for them to start the process to request reparations for their loss. When members of the media reached out to officials at the hospital for details on the case, their requests were declined. However, the administration did admit that the facility's reputation in the province had become, quote, severely compromised. 
A, res, a representative of the police department issued a statement at the time that individuals in management positions at the hospital weren't suspected of aiding Dr. LTI. However, they did say that at least one other doctor who worked with them might have been involved. They believed he actively participated in assisting the doctor in committing the murders. The spokesman said that before this other doctor who had not been named could be taken in for questioning, he managed to elude the authorities. They believed he had escaped to Hawaja, which is located approximately 68 kilometers or 42 miles southwest um, of I Cancun. want to point out that that is also a hillbilly word. Hawaja? I'll use it in a sentence. You ready? Okay. Been drinking too much shine. Hey, how's you doing today? <laughs> and would you spell it H-A-W-I-J-A? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> or would you do it the phonetic way? <laughs> Anyways... Um, and this area was also also happened to be a major hotspot for the province's insurgent rebellion. He also claimed that the department was still conducting their investigation in an effort to determine if more medical personnel from the facility had any involvement in the case. Now, the security officials in Kirkuk recorded Dr. Al-Ti's lengthy confession on video. Reporters from the news publication The Guardian were the first media members to get their hands on a copy of that tape. They also managed to obtain a copy of the victim's medical records from the hospital, which I think is really weird because here that would never happen. And when they reviewed the confession tape and compared it to the hospital records, they were able to corroborate his claims. The video footage shows Altii sitting on a sofa dressed nicely in a pair of slacks and matching gray polo neck shirt. And he appeared to be very self-confident as he spoke in calm and collected tones, looking directly into the camera the entire time. Law enforcement officials in the Middle East are known to interrogate a, sus a suspect with methods that other countries would consider to be unethical. However, from what could be seen on the video footage, it didn't appear as if he had been interrogated with those methods. In fact, he looked to be in, quote, good physical condition. And there was one point during the video confession where he actually indicated that he had not been treated unkindly by any of the officials who interrogated him. Which, even here, where it's illegal for officers to do, you know, use physical harm against a suspect, when... The suspect has targeted one of their own. They tend to get a little violent. No, never. I know, right? Especially not Portland police or Vancouver for that matter. No shit, yeah. But, I, I mean, so you can imagine in, you know, the Middle East, which is considered a third world country where there are less laws regulating that, what it would have been like. Especially since he targeted their own, you know. Now... Over the course of the footage, he provided the authorities with precise details of his actions. He was able to give them names of every victim and the exact date and location in the hospital where he killed them. There was nothing on the tapes to suggest that he had been coerced or forced to give his statements. He, Al-Ti relayed details of how he became involved in the resistance. He calmly explained that one of the most deadly Islamist groups in Kukuk called Ansar al-Sunnah, uh, excuse me, Alcina, which is spelled S-U-N-N-A, so, you know, drafted him into its ranks in August of 2005. At the time, he was working at a children's hospital in Kirkuk. It was also only two months before he murdered Arjuman in October. He talked about his recruit recruitment with candor. He said a father brought in his four-year-old son who was quite ill. The boy stayed for some time in the hospital, but we couldn't provide the right medicine. According to the doctor, one day he was confronted by the boy's father who wanted to know why there weren't any supplies to treat his son. The doctor said he told the father, quote, we live in an occupied country, and this is the condition that prevails in, the occupied, in an occupied country. At that point, he related that the father said, we should not stay indifferent. We should do something. Now, the father went on to inform LTI that some people in the province had already started taking action. He said, you seem to be fed up with the current situation, so why don't you help us? During the course of their conversation, the father told LTI that his name was Abu Hajar. And he told the doctor, we are from the resistance. Whenever we want your help, we will ask you. Now, Ansar Al, hang on, I got a fucking Al Sina was predominantly active in Kirkuk, 
Um, however, they also had a president in Purdy, and I'm not sure if that is the correct name of the city because I couldn't locate it on a map anywhere. And the Tursk Kermadu, which is spelled T-U-Z-K-H-U-R-M-A-T-U. Kermit. Kermit. Um, the frog. I just had that image in my head of Max's hat. Piggy. Piggy. <laughs> moi. <laughs> Are you talking to moi? So, which are towns around Kirkuk. Apparently, they were in desperate need of uh, Altii's medical skills. Um, Hajar said that with his training, the doctor would be able to, quote, to treat our injured members and help us in emergency cases. Um, the doctor informed his interrogators, I told them I was not a surgeon, but they said I should do first aid treatment. I fucking... I wrote this fast because I have a lot of typos and it's bugging me now. Treatment and then, if needed, the wounded fighters could be transferred to other provinces or countries for surgery. <coughs> According to the doctor, Hajar swore the resistance group he belonged to would only target those involved with the, mili- the United States Armed Forces. Before ending the conversation, Hajar said, when we need you, you will hear from us. That was like, my people will call you. <laughs> Have your people call my people. ominous, right? A few short weeks after that, he received the call he had been told was coming. A militant member of Ansar al-Sina was planting a roadside bomb just outside of Kirkuk to the south when he became wounded. He talked about his first mission with the resistance group. I, I said at first I had no first aid supplies, but that I might be able to get a bag of stuff taken from the hospital. But they said not to worry. They had all the supplies they needed. And they did. I was taken to one of their hideouts in caves near Kirkuk to treat the wounded man. Then in October of 2005, he received another phone call. He talked about that incident as well. He said, Abu Hajar called me and said, a senior policeman is coming to your hospital tonight. That they had shot him but failed to finish the job. And he said, you can do it for us. I knew what he meant. Right? So next, LT, I talked about his second murder. Only 10 days after he murdered his first victim, he received received instructions telling him to find a way to dispatch the four Iraqi National Guard members that were injured by another roadside bomb. That's when he developed his lethal cocktail. They had flesh wounds to different parts of their body. So I made a mixture of Valium, Volterin, and Decadron, which I will get into in a minute. Yeah, I had, fuck, I don't even know what those are. I was going to say, but you know me, I will explain. And injected them. They were dead in three hours. The medical department does not have the modern equipment to analyze their blood, so nobody knew why they died. Now, I'm taking a brief side note here. I know that some people aren't very familiar with different medications, and many of you know that I was raised by a parent who worked in the healthcare industry. As a result, I have a lot of knowledge in this area. Even then, I'll admit, I have never had any experience with Voltron or Decadron, nor do I know anyone who has, so I looked them up. Now, since I wasn't familiar with them, I assume others aren't as well. And just in case someone isn't familiar with Valium either, I figured I would pause for a moment and give you information on all three drugs. And it soon became clear to me how effective the right combination of these medications would be in causing the death of someone. Now, Valium or diazepam is a sedative commonly given to patients for treatment of anxiety disorders, muscle spasms, or withdrawal symptoms. Although it can be prescribed in pill form, which I'll admit I have to take every time I go in for an MRI, CT scan, or when I fly in a plane. I need to take that every time I have a business meeting with you guys. Fuck off. It could also be given as a liquid injection if the patient's symptoms are severe enough. I definitely need the injectable. Okay, my question is, is do you need it because you're going through withdrawal or do you need it because you're having anxiety? Because I'm anxiety dealing with you people because you're all freaking psychos. Oh, you know I'm not a psycho. All of you are crazy. All of you. How come it's we're crazy and you're not? Um, because I'm the only sane one in this in, in, in this company. I know that now. Do we have any batteries over there that are charged? No. Ah, shoot. Shit in Shinola. Okay. 
So if Valium Why, is... your vibrator go dead? No, my, my puffer went out <laughs> I know, and I can't find my other batteries. Huh. So if Valium is given in high doses, a patient can suffer many different side effects to all of their symptoms. Systems, excuse me. These side effects can include, but are not limited to, the following fatal conditions. In their respiratory system or lungs, they can suffer from respiratory depression, where they're not able to take enough oxygen into their lungs, or respiratory arrest, where they stop bleeding, breathing completely. Their cardiovascular system or heart can be affected. They can go into bradycardia, which is a decreased heart rate, tachycardia, which is an increased heart rate, have congestive heart failure and or cardiac arrest where the heart doesn't pump enough blood, which can cause a heart attack or stop the heart from functioning completely. Then their gastrointestinal system or digestive tract can be affected by obstipation, which is a severe form of constipation resulting in the inability to pass gas and or stool, usually because whoa, the stool whoa, is... Whoa, 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 Hold the what? fuck up. You tell me that they're literally dying because they're full of shit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, why did, does... I didn't even consider that you would go there, but yes. Why doesn't that happen more often here? I'm just saying, because right? I've met some people that are so full of it. That, that's not fair. Not fair. Not fair, I tell you. Not fair. Hang on. Let me see. Oh, I can. I'm going to give you something to plug in. So, like, do you have an extra a USB outlet over there? Yeah, probably. I've got Care. all kinds of shit over here. Reach. I just knocked the cough drops down. There. That'll plug me in and charge me that way. So, um, anyways, usually because the stool is so hard that it obstructs the bowel and or rectum. And it, if it goes... Do you need me closer? Okay. Um, that let's see. If it goes untreated, it can cause the bowels to perforate or tear, which is lethal. Um, then their hematologic system or bloodstream can be infect, affected by thrombos thrombocytopenia, which is low platelet levels, which can increase the risk of bleeding. If the bleeding is severe enough, it can be life threatening. And then their hepatic system, which is their liver and gallbladder can suffer hepatic dysfunction, also known as acute liver failure. And this is when there is a partial or complete loss of their liver function that occurs rapidly. Now, Volterin or Diclofenac is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or NSAID. It's commonly used to reduce inflammation and relieve pain. And patients are commonly given uh, Volterin in liquid gel capsules. This method allows the medication to absorb into their system quickly and effectively. They also get more benefits from the drug this way because it doesn't have to pass through the digestive system before it is absorbed into the bloodstream. Which tells you that he probably broke open the capsules to include them in his cocktail. Which yeah, no, is a painstaking task, mind you. Yeah, but at least he's, you know, he's doing it with gusto. Right? So if Voltaren is taken in high doses, it can cause a lot of side effects throughout a person's system as well. Now, their gastrointestinal system can uh, suffer an intestinal hemorrhage, which is gross stomach, intestinal, and or rectal bleeding, and severe cases can result in death. <laughs> Does that happen to you, Scott? I get the rectal bleeding every time that we sit down for a meeting. I'm just saying. It's me the red ass. You're not even right in the head. Man, I'm not right in the butt either. So... Then their hepatic, hepatic system can be affected with hepatic necrosis, which is where the liver cells die, or hepatic failure, where the liver stops functioning. Then their renal system or kidneys can suffer with nephrotic syndrome, which is high levels of protein in the urine, which cause the kidneys to lose function. Or renal papillary necrosis, where part or all of the papillae in the kidneys die. And then there's acute renal failure, where their kidneys are unable to filter waste from the blood, which develops rapidly. And this can cause permanent kidney damage, loss of kidney function. If this occurs, they have to, the individual will be put on permanent dialysis, require a kidney transplant, or just die. Right? Then their cardiovascular system, they can suffer a myocardial infarction, which that's where the muscle of the heart dies due to lack of blood flow, which causes it to stop functioning and they go into cardiac ingestive failure. 
Uh, then there's vasculitis, which is inflammation of the blood vessels, reducing the blood flow to internal organs, which may cause severe damage, especially in the brain, kidneys, and or lungs. Then there's also the genitourinary, I can't even fucking speak right now. Not a nary, urinary. Which is their genital and urinary organs, and they can suffer from interstitial nephritis, which is the spaces between the small tubes inside the kidneys becomes inflamed. And this also reduces the kidney's ability to filter waste properly, which can cause the kidneys to fail. Then decadron injection or dexamethasone is a steroid medication used to treat numerous medical conditions, including but not limited to psoriasis, arthritis, leukemia, lupus, MS, and others. Now, if this is given in high doses, it can cause some some severe side effects as well. There, um, they can suffer a gastric intestinal hemorrhage or perforation of the small and or large intestine, which is a hole in your intestines that causes food and or digestive fluids to leak into the abdomen. And it may cause internal bleeding or severe loss of blood and permanent damage to the GI tract. Or in some instances, which almost happened to me and my mother both, where they could go into sepsis, which is a life-threatening blood infection. Your poor mom. Your poor... Oh, my poor mom, but not poor me. Your poor, poor... Hot mom. Whatever, dude. I rushed her to the hospital. I had to call an ambulance when it happened to me. Yeah, well, I'm texting her, so. Why are you texting her now? <laughs> Why not? You're so bad. So is your mom. God dang the thing she says. Shut up. I know she doesn't say anything like that. Okay. So her card- their cardiovascular system can be affected as well with bradycardia, cardiac arrest, congestive heart failure, or they can get a fat embolism, which that's where fat particles in the microcirculation, which can cause respiratory distress. No, I thought that was my ex-wife. <laughs> a fat embolism. Fat embolism. <laughs> did she cause you distress, respiratory distress? She did when I got that letter from the attorney, this last one. <laughs> no, you didn't go into respiratory distress. You went into full-on panic mode. <laughs> it wasn't even panic. I was just pissed. Yeah, that's true. I don't like petty people. And it was petty yeah, shit. that was some petty shit. Then there was. Then they can get a thromboembolism or a deep vein thrombosis, which is also referred. <laughs> I got a deep thre- the deep vein thrombosis. No, you have a deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> yeah, your mom doesn't mind. Whatever. So the forma- that's a formation of a blood clot in the veins located in the limb extremities, which is in the legs and or arms. And this prevents the natural flow of blood, causing it to back up, which results in severe pain or swelling. However, that blood clot can break into smaller pieces, travel to the lungs, and cause a pulmonary embolism, which is very life-threatening. Or the respiratory system can be affected, which causes pulmonary edema, which is a buildup of fluid in the lungs' air sacs that makes it hard to breathe and can be fatal. We're talking about everything that involves me. I have a buildup in my sack. It's amazing. In your air sack? Oh, wrong sack. Never mind. Sick fucker. In my Santa sack. So, I mean, so you can see how a combination, the right combination of all three of these medications could get the job done. No kidding, man. Like, and it's not just like a, okay, this is only going to cause a heart attack or a stroke or, or just simply this. It can cause a numerous, I mean, because depending on the patient and what's going on with them and what other medications they might be on, it, I mean, there's no way to tell which medication did it. Oh, dude, this guy is go big or go home. Yeah. That's, you know, Okay. I want to throw in a couple of things. People, uh, especially our listening audience here in the States, you want to sit there and go, oh, my God, he's giving good kudos to a terrorist. Okay, folks, let me explain something to you. We're not always the good guy. I'm not saying that we're the bad guy either, but we're not always the good guy. And that's based on someone's view of what you're doing. While what you're doing might seem just and right to you and others, it might be viewed to others as, as... cumbersome or in, intrusive on on their lifestyle and, and who they are. Right. Or like a direct affront to, you know, because, yeah. I mean, granted, Al-Qaeda and everybody, they were 
not just targeting what they call the infidels. They were also targeting local residents who weren't following their path. That is correct. So at the same time, though, they had a skewed sense of patriotism, thinking they were doing the right thing to get their country back to what it was. Correct. You know, but to them, what they were doing was right. Exactly. And that's why I said a skewed sense of right. You know. So yeah, you know, I'm 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 very much anti-terrorism. Whether well, me too. whether it is on our side, if we're doing it, which I'm I you know we have homegrown terrorists. Yeah, I'm I'm very patriotic. I believe in the United States. I'm very much an American, but I believe that we have we have domestic terrorism here. You know, uh, yes. let's not mention Westboro Baptist Church, which I think is oh the, what, the, or Timothy Levey or well, I was going to go with Westboro because oh yeah they're horrible when, when you're sitting there and you're picketing. Funerals for of soldiers. service members who are fighting for their right to do so. But what, what Westboro believes that they're doing is, is correct. Right. Yeah. The turn or burn. Right. So. They take baptism. I mean, Baptists to a whole new level. No kidding, man. But yeah, you know, I just I'm that, I just wanted to point that out. That, you know, we're, we're not always the good guy. No, we're not. Um, you know, so it's just it. Everything in life really revolves around others' perception of what you're right. doing. They're, yeah, exactly. So just, you know, I want, I want everybody to keep that in mind. You know, I'm not... We're not con- condoning, not condoning him being a any, terrorist. any of this. Yeah, and I'm not condoning it. But, I, you know, I, I got to call spade a spade, as I always say. And I got to admire that, unlike a lot of the, quote, doctor deaths right. or angel of death, this <laughs> like guy was at least <laughs> fucking creative. Right, and he thought he was doing what he had to do for his country. Right, he wasn't doing it for some um, obscure thing. Yeah, you know, he wasn't like, fucking Mengele or Ishii out he, there torturing people for their own, you know, scientific research. And he wasn't like, uh, uh, oh shit, it's not Shipman, it's... Uh, Colin Charles. Norris? No, it wasn't even... It Charles was, Cullen? Colin, that's what I'm Char- uh, 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 Colin, who was sitting there and changing his story like, well, I wanted to end their suffering and then go, I just like to see people die. Or I blacked out. Or I blacked out. <laughs> yeah. This- Depending on what day he was speaking, it was like, I wanted to end their suffering. Right. And then the next day he said, no, I liked watching them die. I liked having control over that. Or I blacked out and I don't really know what I did. Right. So <laughs> the, this guy has a mission. Mm-hmm. He's doing what he feels is right, whether it's right or wrong. Okay. And honestly, look, look, everybody who's listening to us, we got to admit one thing together collectively. Yeah. Murder is not okay. No, none of us were there in Iraq. True. You know. So we don't know what was going on. What was going on. Now, with that said, I realize that we do have some military personnel that listen to us that that are vets and, and things like that. But... Right. The general population wasn't there, so we really don't. True. And, and even if you were there, it's not like you're sitting down with a with, with a, a terrorist organization and having a discussion like, "Hey, why do you feel this is right?" Right. Exactly. It's war. So true. Like I said, everything is up to perception. You got vegans out there who think that it's horrible that I eat bacon. Oh my god, I know. No, I don't and, think they've ever tasted it though, and, and it's not even a joke. No. I got a vegan that works um, at the trucking gig, and uh, and w- whenever we talk, about, oh, but it's so bad for your heart, and it's just terrible to be eating animals, blah 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 blah. You know, and fucking, uh, but uh, while they view while they view view being a vegan as the correct way to live, right? And I'm wrong, and I but I view it the opposite. I view that hey man, I'm gonna eat meat. I like bacon. Yeah. I like bacon. I like bacon. Well, and let's let's go back to, I mean, and I know that this is a controversial subject anyways, but let's go back to, you know, people who say, well, it's against nature and blah, 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 and that's not how God intended it. I'm sorry. God himself created animals so we could eat them. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. you shouldn't kill them because they have a soul. <laughs> My favorite meme I've ever seen has a cow on it, uh, a, a, a live cow, and uh, the the caption is, 
could you really eat? Uh, how, how could you eat this? And the, underneath this says, um, are you looking for recipes? I'm just trying to <laughs> figure out. Just, just what, trying to be clear here. Be clear. I mean, because I've got some recipes. I mean, yeah. I can eat that cow. I mean, look at us. We can't imagine eating dog meat because we love our pets. However, there are some cultures who do. No, oh, I say nay, nay. Because the only reason I don't eat my dog is because she stinks. <laughs> And she looks a little chewy. And she looks, she's old, and I'm pretty sure that's that's like that's like jerky on the paw. That's what that is. <laughs> it is. It's not a turkey leg. It's a jerky leg. It's like 50 pounds of... of is she only 50 pounds? I think she's 50. I don't know. You took her to the vet. I know, but that was so long ago. That was over a year ago, no, almost. So I'm going to guess 50, 60 pounds, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Unlike but, my 190 pounds. No, he's not that heavy. He's about 125 <laughs> Yeah, fucking, she just looks way too che- stringy and chewy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think just looking at her right now, freaking, I think that'd be like eating, uh, um, what's that stinky cheese, damn it? Limber. Oh, Limburger, yeah. Yeah, that is a stinky cheese. Yeah. And she gets bathed all the it's time. It's actually not that bad, but it's stinky. Yeah, you know, fucking, she gets bathed all the time. She, anyway. Yeah. I don't, but no, you're right. We, we don't yeah. eat our pets because they're our pets, but yeah. there's people that are in Korea that eat dog. Yeah, well, in in other countries too, not just Korea, but yeah, you know, so or, or the famous dish, fish head soup, which is fish heads. Dude, I love fish head soup. You just don't even know my grand my my hominy, who is no longer with us. Every time I was sick growing up, she would make me fish head stew, and it helped. See, to me, it just sounds disgusting. <laughs> it does kind of sound gross, but it's delicious. Yeah, have at it. Anyway. You don't eat the head. Tell us more about Osama okay. bin Doctor over here. <laughs> so, for several months after Al Ti murdered the four National Guard members, he said that he would try varying the dose of the three drugs mentioned above in the injection cocktails he administered to his victims. He told his interrogator, "Sometimes, if their injuries were really serious and they were bleeding a lot, I use more Voltron to keep them bleeding, and they would bleed to death in two hours." That would make the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So he also said that there was one time when he received a call from another member of his insurgent cell. Now, this tells you how dedicated he was. Um, the man started by congratulating him because he was one of three individuals in the group that had been chosen to carry out suicide bombings at Iraqi army bases in Kirkuk. However, during his confession, he matter-of-factly <coughs> stated, I agreed. But later, there was another call from another senior member saying, forget it, we need you as a doctor. So he was dedicated to the cause. God dang, man. No shit. Yeah. So Dr. LTI stated that shortly before he was arrested, he learned that there was a group of doctors in Hawuja and, um, okay, I'm going to mess this up, Tikrita, which is T-I-K-R-I-T. So, you know, that doesn't even make sense. Tikrit. Well, yeah, but it's actually the phonetic pronunciation is Tikrita. There's actually a ah sound at the end of the T. And Mosul, when members of the insurgent cells were injured, oftentimes they were transported to those locations where these other doctors performed their surgeries. When talking about the other doctors, he said, I got the impression they had money and equipment. So I asked to be introduced to them and Abu Hajar agreed. The reports I read stated that after Mala Yasin, a senior member of Ansar El Sina, was arrested on February 4, 2006. Okay, hang on. Give me a minute. Sulaminu by Kurdish security officers. And Al-Tihai stopped murdering his patients when that happened. I love you doing this episode. Let me tell you why. Because normally it's me that's tripping over my fucking tongue. Well, and I even spelled them out phonetically, but I still was tripping... Yeah, it. harder than it looks, huh? Yeah. Yeah, now you know what so, I go through. So after this guy was arrested, he stopped killing his patients, which means he wasn't a sociopath or a psychopath because they they are unable to control their actions. That is correct. You know? So um, now, Sulamina Minu, or whatever, is located approximately 111 kilometers or 69 miles east of Kirkuk. 69, dude! <laughs> I know. In the Kurdistan region of Iraq, and it's also approximately 105 kilometers or 65 miles west of the Iraq-Iran border along Route 46. 
And it's sister cities. I had to put this in here because it cracks me up. It's sister cities are actually Tucson, Arizona and Naples, Italy. Which how cosmopolitan of them. Which makes which begs the question, does that mean Tucson is full of terrorists, too? Because that's where my brother and sister-in-law live. There you go. That explains a lot. Because yeah, it's, it's I've my met your other family. brother, not my older brother that I love to death, but my middle brother who we don't get along so well. And then my sister-in-law who is married to my oldest brother. Well, I would imagine if it, if she's living there and he's living there, I can surmise that. Well, they weren't, they're not married. Oh, oh, and then the bitch sister-in-law lives there too, but I forget about her. Oh, dang, your, your family's complicated, man. My family is complicated because I have the my two brothers on my dad's side of the family. And they're 18 and 16 years older than me, and I'm the baby. And then I have an older sister and a younger brother on my mother's side of the family. Jesus Christ. Now I want to yell jihad and go to Tucson. <laughs> well, and, and then to make it even more complicated, <laughs> this is so fucked up, is that I am technically my brother's aunt by marriage. <laughs> Oh, and I'm the hillbilly. I'm the hillbilly. Because my ex-husband. No, no, you put the fucking brakes on. This is the shit I get all. Jeez, God, you're from the hills. You're a hillbilly. Uh, But you know what I cannot say about anybody in my family? Okay, this is my cousin Billy. He's my my cousin, but he's actually my grandfather, but he could be my third cousin. But if you And my brother. And my brother at the same time. No, but look at the Underwoods. Well, actually, it's the Lee Bay side, but yeah, okay, no, because my ex has my ex husband is my brother's aunt's brother in law. Jesus Christ! You know what? Yeah. Just, just just finish this. Show. My brain's melting. <laughs> Are you melting now? God <laughs> damn! I, I I now know where the Lee side and the Underwood side come from, and it's not the Pacific Northwest or Korea. It's Arkansas. It's Arkansas. That's right. It makes sense of why your sister moved to Arkansas. <laughs> That's the that you guys. She she heard the call of your people. <laughs> Which goes like this. Yeehaw! The funny thing about that is my brother didn't realize until just recently how true that statement is. That I am his aunt by marriage. He goes, oh my god, I never thought of that. (laughs) Arkansas, it says the natural state as their their state motto when you're, or whatever it is when you're driving in there. Yeah. It should say, if your sister ain't good enough for her own family, who is she good for? (laughs) Who is she good for? (laughs) So, Yasin had been a member of the Kurdish-led militant group known as Ansar al-Islam. And that group was said to have hosted Abu, Abu Masab al-Zakari, which he's an infamous terrorist, when he organized a sleeper cell resistance in Baghdad prior to the 2003 United States occupation of the area. In fact, there were several former members of Ansar al-Islam who went on to become members of Ansar al-Sinna. Now, the officials that control the Sulaymaniyya, known as the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, stated that as soon as Yasin was apprehended, he, quote, confessed immediately, which I find ironic because normally you hear of uh, terrorists who are apprehended, like, don't say shit, you know? Right, right. No matter how much they're tortured, they don't say jack. And then you find out this guy just fucking... He, like, had diarrhea of the mouth. So during that confession, the authorities were able to gather enough intelligence to take down a network of approximately 15 militants. Those militants were both Arabs and Kurds said to be responsible for the most deadly attacks throughout the Kirkuk province during that time. Not only that, with Yasin's, Yasin's confession... The authorities learned about Dr. Loya Omar Muhammad Altiai's crimes. A short time later, in March of 2006, he was arrested and taken into custody. Now, I'm almost done because he answered some very pointed questions. Towards the end of the footage of his con- tape confession, the interrogators asked Altiai whether or not he had betrayed his profession. And he answered by saying, we thought we could do something to liberate the country. Later, our network went astray, but we had to keep working and we had to keep committing these crimes. So that just answers the question that he thought he was doing what was right. I was going to say, you you have to take away the terrorist aspect of it Mm -hmm. and think of it on the lines of of beliefs and, and, and religion. Okay, so... 
Let's say that I was standing outside of a Christian church mm-hmm. with a big sign of Jesus on the cross, but upside down, so it's satanic. Right. And yelling, you know, F Jesus, and, and right. just, you know, being, uh, just really tearing down their belief system. Or let's get even better than that. Let's say that I'm tearing down your belief system to where you can't really practice it. Right. And I'm, I'm allowing other belief systems to come in mm-hmm. to kind of stomp yours out. What would you do to protect what you know to well, be true? That's related to this. I mean, we can relate it to a whole different level where a lot of people can relate to it. Look at how we felt after the attacks on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What did we do? We wanted to seek vengeance. Yeah, 100%. So therefore, because they attack our country. So how can we condemn those in other countries that feel the same way? Yeah, and then that, that's my whole thing, you know. And it, yeah. One thing that I've always said is everybody knows that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much conservative. Pretty you much, know, yeah. I, I do have some liberal views on some but things. You but you are a realistic conservative. As I was saying, but I'm realistic. Yeah, because my, my son and I have talked about that quite a bit because I lean towards the conservative side too. And my sister, I mean, she can sometimes be unrealistic in her conservative views. You know what I mean? Right. Well, uh, And so when me and my son were talking, I was like, you know, I wonder if Missy and Scott would get along. And he's... And he was like, I don't know, because Scott's a, con- a realistic conservative mom. Well, yeah, I, I don't think that everybody should boast that they are strictly conservative and follow everything that conservatives say, or strictly liberal. Liberal, you, you have to, I believe that there's a nice even ground. There is. You know, and, uh, and, I, and me personally, I try to uh, achieve that, but. I lost my fucking train of thought what the hell I was going to say. Oh, well, and continue. Fuck it. No, no, because I was going to kind of add to that, too, because even though I lean towards the conservative side, I also believe that everybody else out there has their right to choose whatever, you know, their belief systems. Ah, that's where I was going. Yeah. Okay. So 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 I'm not even though this is what I believe, I'm not going to condemn you for what you believe. And that's me. And that's me. I I was actually talking to uh, to the promoter of the last show. Her name is Brenda Tipton. Um, great lady. Fucking love Brenda. Amazing. She's awesome. Oh, yeah, dude. And I'm, her husband was cool, too. Brenda and Scott, I've done business with them for years. And they're just just terrific people. Just terrific. But uh, so we're outside of the venue, and we're, we're talking with, uh, with some of uh, the people that are on her staff. And uh, that's why I disappeared, because, you know, you saw she drug me around everywhere. <laughs> but... Uh, we, uh, yeah, she had a leash on you. No, oh, totally, man. And, and she always does. I just, I can't ever say no to Brenda. Right. But, um, you know, I was talking to, I can't remember what his name was, um, but uh, we were talking about our our conservative views, and, uh, but that's one thing that, that, that we brought up is that there's a, oh, I was talking about Matt at Oyster Brine. That's the studio that oh, we're yeah, yeah. recording the album at. And Matt is extremely liberal. Right. Extremely. And him and I have discussed our our views with each other right and we've given our counterpoints to each other but you know what you're still friends we still work together and yeah. we're still friends why we're fucking adults and see and that's just it right there yeah because you know i mean because you know i had a run-in with some people who were ultra conservative it almost to the point of westboro baptist church yeah that's ridiculous and um we had some views and i had shared some of my history with them and when we didn't see eye to eye, he basically straight up told me that I was a foul mouthed slut and that I was condemned to hell. Well, and when we're talking about the political climate and the religious climate for the Middle East, mm-hmm. when it comes to following the letter of the law, so to speak, when it comes to the Quran, right? This is everything to this culture of people. True. These people that that, that True. are Muslim. True. And here we are, we're in there trying to kind of Okay, people get used to what is comfortable. Right. So if you're in a place where everybody's following uh, a, a religious doctrine, and then you want to come up and kind of shake that up, and right. now you're not only watching that, but you're watching this war take place. Right. In your home. And your people are being murdered. And your people are getting killed, whether whether it's for the good or the ill, whether they attacked first or you attacked, or, you know, or right. they attacked first. You're watching this go down. It's gonna kind of leave that foul taste in your mouth because you're right. in your mind. You're watching what you always considered to be a good place, right? Turn into a a terrorized 
war zone because right. you're no longer the terrorist. You right. know, the, 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 the people who are attacking you are. Yeah. It's the Americans. Yeah. It's, the, it's the allied forces. It's, it's whoever. Right. Um, they're the ones who are the aggressors and not you. True. So that's just something to keep in mind, folks. You yeah. know, I mean, like I said, I'm very patriotic. Yes. Very patriotic. You know, can't stand the president right now, but I thought I'd throw that out there um, because that that's just me, though. I don't I don't like stupid. Yeah. Um, no, I don't like stupid either. And, you know, not to bitch too much. But, but I, I, I mean, I'll go back to the fact that I think this is. Um, oh, my God. I almost called him Osama. <laughs> Barack Osama. <laughs> Um, no, but um, this is I, I've constantly said that this is Barack Obama's third term because it is, you know, it is. We, we can see that in the economy yeah. and uh, inflation. And yeah. Inflation. And Biden has had his head so far up Obama's ass that, you know. Right. Right. We need to have a whole political talk show. But uh, yeah, that can get very controversial. But I had a my mom. One of my mom's former supervisors was uh, from Pakistan. And oh, he, hold on. Let me say hi to her. Hey, it was a he, oh. and his name was Faraz. Hey, Faraz, <laughs> shut up. Better, yeah. No, and so, but and so he is Muslim, and him and I had some very in depth, um, what's the word? Uh, like friendly conversations about the difference between you know Muslims and Christianity and everything like that. And I said, but how? How do you justify what they're doing? And he's and he looked at me and dead in my eyes and said, "You know what, Tammy?" He said, "You know how you have your extreme religious, you know, people who have extreme religious views here." He goes, "That's an extreme religious view that not everybody buys into." You know? So Right, right. It just puts a different perspective on things. So finally, they asked him, did you ever think of giving up and helping the government to arrest these criminals? To which he replied, I never considered how terribly brutal my crimes were. And I never thought I would be so easily captured. I got on so well with all the people at the hospital. They seemed to like me. So, you know, that just tells you once again that he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. You know, are you texting? I'm actually talking to Brenda Tipton right now. Oh, but yeah. So um, that's all I have for this episode. But um, I knew that we would get into a debate on whether, you know, and you and I pretty much see eye to eye on this one that even though we don't condone his actions, we don't really condemn him for what he did because at the time he thought he was doing what he needed to do for his country. Well, okay. I want to give an extreme, totally opposite of what this guy did. Example. Let's say somebody molested your child. Your child's 10 years old and somebody molested him. What would you do? What do you think is right? Would you just simply go to the cops and do everything that's law-abiding? Or knowing that they'll only get probation, or would you hunt them? Would you beat them? Would you murder oh, them? You know what? I am not that violent of a person, but I often said if anybody hurt my son in any way, they would have to throw me in jail to protect them. Well, I got a little story about me and Jake. We were in Terre Haute, Indiana. This is when I was driving on the road. Oh, yeah, I've heard this one, but it's a good one. And we went into a pilot truck stop. We're getting ready to take a shower. Um, and I had our duffel bag and everything. And Jake was only like five, I think, or something like that. And another driver thought it would be funny to jump out and grab my son and scare him. That's all he wanted to do. However, when it happened, here's how mine works. Number one, there's a threat. Number right. two, neutralize the threat quickly. Yes. In which I unleashed a beast on him and knocked some of his teeth out and broke his nose in which the cops were called. Yes. And Jake and I got to go to jail. <laughs> Poor Jake. And, uh, Innocent so, bystander. <laughs> so we're sitting, because to me, somebody's grabbing my child. Exactly. That's you don't know if they're going to try to abduct them or what. So we're sitting yeah. there, and they're getting ready to call Child Protective Services to take my son, because I'm going to jail. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, asking the, uh, the, the cops, I said, look, just let my son stay with me until CPS gets here, because, you know, I don't, I, you know, I just I want to keep him calm. And they said, okay. My saving grace was that driver actually came in and oh, said, this was my fault. I thought it would be funny. 
and da da da, da and he, I, I fucked him up bad. I felt, I felt horrible afterwards. Well, I'm sure you did. And but... uh, the charges were dropped. Right. And Jake and I got to go on our merry way. But I did what I felt was right. Right. No, it's it's true. I mean, we're ne- we'll never know how we will react in that same situation until we're in that situation. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, so that that is Dr. I'll just say I'll T.I. <laughs> so you don't have to have an aneurysm. So I want to plug Brenda Tipton's husband and hers uh, radio show. Do you need the? Nope. Okay. That's what I was talking to her about because I had to send her a thing. And my glasses are all fucking yes. dirty. Yeah, they're dirty. God damn it. Do you want some lens wipes? Nah, too late now. We're in the middle of doing this. Anywho, the, the show is called Music Nation with Scott Cross, and it's on Gun Music Radio. And it's every Monday and Thursday at 8. Uh, PM, uh, and they feature local Pacific uh, Northwest heavy metal artists that are unsigned, right? And they they like I said they focus on bands from the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know they're either unsigned or they have an independent label. Right. Give, give them a listen, man. They're they're awesome. Like I said, I can't say enough nice things right. about Brendan and it's Scott Gun Music Radio G U N N Music Radio. Just correct. So people know. Correct. Correct. And I mean, she was talking about how they go as far up as seattle yeah that's the whole so, pacific northwest yeah. which includes part of idaho oh wow okay yeah they're fantastic so, yeah give give that a listen and uh and give them your support man give them your support it's you know it's, it's it's worth your time to do that it is it is worth your time boys and girls we're gonna wrap this one here up because we got things to go and places to be terrorists at you're so dumb osama mid tammy over there hey now oh let me speak in your new native tongue <laughs> Again, hey now. <laughs> All right, remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at BrutalNation. Pop right up. We got our YouTube channel up. It's just Brutal Nation. Check it out. You get a little slideshow with some of our previous episodes. Uh, let's say, oh, check out the website. Plus, we're, we're updating some stuff on the band page on the website, uh, not just for this, but for my band, Twisted Blue. Uh, there'll be some videos up, some new pictures from the last venue, uh, things like that. And we're always happy to, you know, to talk to people. So if you've got any questions for us, just you know, shoot it to us, and we're happy to do that. This show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.